Let's pray. Father God, tonight as we come to you, we just pray that you still our hearts. We pray that you make yourself known to us, God, through um, what we're going to hear tonight. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word in your name. Amen. Um, what's the most persistent you've ever had to be with something? I want you to think about that. The most persistent you've ever had to be. Um, as I was saying earlier, I, I'm the Young Life worker, and that means that we are partnered with a charity called Young Life International. And a couple of weeks ago, some of you are aware, I was at a camp over in Scotland, and somebody had the bright idea of saying, Do you know what, Dan, you're going to basically be the entertainment. Right? So they were like, you're going to be in charge of making kids laugh, you're going to be in charge of running games, you're going to be in charge of being at the front. I took that as, Dan, you get to sing a lot. People didn't like my singing, but I enjoy singing, so it was their own fault for giving me a mic. But one of the things we'd done was we had characters every night and day came out and they dressed up and they'd done loads of stupid things. And the whole idea was eventually we had this opera and it was really cool and it was fun. But this character that I was, was a person called The Amazing Gary master of illusion right so i was dressed up long black curly hair like a red shirt just looked horrendous but it was quite funny but the whole idea was that i was rubbish at illusions so i came out and i was like i'm gonna make this cookie disappear and I just broke the cookie in front of people that are like you, you didn't make it disappear it's just there but the whole week i was like doing these illusions that were rubbish complete and utter rubbish and eventually, I would blame my assistant. So I had this assistant called Mysteriosa, right? And she didn't speak. She was a mime, so it was great. So I had to say things, and she just had to act them out. But I would blame her for all these things going wrong. And eventually, we would separate, and she would go away. And the whole idea in the opera was that we came back together. We became friend, friends again, and she had this amazing idea. Now, this amazing idea was an actual illusion. <laughs> So I had to learn how to do an illusion, and it was hard, right? I tried it like 100 times, and out of the 100 times, like 99 times it failed. And she was like, just persist, persist. It'll come good, it'll come good. Um, but persistence pays off without her constantly being like, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it, we just need to persist. Um, I would never have had the guts to do that, and I, I actually thought it was quite impressive. The kids might have thought it was impressive as well. I know maybe you're harder to impress, but um, persistence pays off, and keep that with you as we're going on tonight. Um, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Abraham, or Abram, as he's been over the past few weeks. Um, a man who's been promised amazing things by God, a man who's done amazing things, and someone who God has appeared to before, and we're going to pick up from God appearing to him again. So if you have your Bibles there, feel free to keep looking at them. We're just going to look quickly at the start, verse 1 and 2. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great cheese of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent at the heat of day. Abraham looked up, saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. What do we notice about Abraham here? He instantly recognizes God. He instantly recognizes either who God is or the importance of these three men. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes whenever I'm sat at home and somebody's knocking on my door, I'm like, right, okay, I have to get up. They're maybe going to be bothering me. They're going to be doing this. And I'm slow to get up and get over, but not Abraham. Abraham's like, boom, straight on his feet, sprints over and falls to his knees in front of them. He recognizes the importance of these men. Now, in terms of these three men, it says that the one is the Lord. Now, it's actually fair to assume 
that this is Jesus appearing in front of them. The Bible says that uh, God the Father has not been seen by people. So it's safe to assume there that it's the human form of God, which is, as we know, is Jesus. So Jesus is one of the people standing there in front of them. But that leaves two others. And if we go on to read in the chapter 19, which we're not going to do tonight, but if you go on to read ahead, it says that there's two angels that are sent by the Lord to go into the town. So it's safe to assume again here that these other two people are the angels that have went in and they're meeting Abraham. And Abraham, he follows tradition, he follows what he's supposed to do, and he's offering up hospitality. He's like, right, okay, you're here, let me get some water, let me wash your feet. He's like, you are important, I, I need to make sure you are welcome, I need to make sure you are fed. The bit that we left out, he actually goes to his wife Sarah, and he's like, we've got to make them some food, we've got to get them food, we've got to get them dinner. So she goes ahead, and he does that, and he continues to follow his custom. As we go into 16, we see that they get up, and they leave to go towards Sodom. And Abraham gets up with them. He's not just like, right, Yep, cheers, thanks for coming for dinner. See you later. He decides, no, I'm going to go with them along on their way and I'm going to provide the hospitality that's, that's needed for them. And he walks with them to the top point where they can look over Sodom. And then the Lord does something strange here that, well, we can, we can maybe think is a wee bit strange. He asks a question. He says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? Now, the important thing to note here is, yes, God is asking a question, the Lord is asking a question, but he's not doing it because he's indecisive. He's not doing it because he's worried about what to do. He's doing it because he knows that the initial readers of this don't know what's going on. He's doing this just to be like, this is clear. This is going to help you understand what's going on in God's process and what's going on exactly right here as we're reading in Genesis. So he says, will I, will I tell Abraham basically what I'm going to do or shall I hide it from him? Eventually, God goes on to reveal his plan to Abraham, and he says that there's been such a huge outcry. He says that this place, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, has gone to shreds. He's like, people are crying out against it. He's like, we're hearing from the town, we're hearing from people who are being treated unjustly, we're hearing from them crying out against it. We're seeing from creation that it's fallen apart, that it's not how it's supposed to be, and there's this huge outcry going on against Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he says, I'm going to go down, me and these angels basically, we're going to go on down into the town to judge it. We're going to go down and get a better representation of what's going on here. And again, this, this verse had me sort of questioning things because I'm like, well, God's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Why does he need to come down the earth? Why does he need to go in and actually look at it? And he is. He could have just stayed in heaven. He could have stayed up there and he could have been like, right, Let's judge it from here. But again, God wants to show us a bit of his character. He wants to show what's going on. He wants to show that he has integrity and he's not going to act hastily. He's like, we're going to go in. We're going to get direct, good knowledge and we're going to judge them according to this. What does Abraham do? He approaches him. He draws near to him and he starts a conversation with him. He starts to talk with God. Uh, we often overcomplicate prayer. We often try to use big words, but basically what prayer is, is a conversation with God. So what's going on here is that Abraham is starting a prayer. Now, we don't tend, like Abraham, to have God directly stood in front of us. We don't often get a voice back. If you do, let me know about it, because it would be pretty cool. Um, but we don't often get that, but the same principle is there. It's starting a conversation with God. 
And one of the biggest questions that comes with prayer, people often ask it, if you go on Google and talk about prayer, it's one of the first things that comes up. Do we get an answer? Does it matter? Does it make a difference? And Abraham effectively engages in prayer and we see that yes, straight away, God answers prayer. God, or Abraham goes to God and he's like, are you gonna destroy the righteous with the wicked? He knows that God is righteous and he thought that because of this, he thought there's no way, God is not gonna punish the innocent in the same way of the unrighteous, of the guilty. Abraham says, if there's 50 within the city, 50 righteous people within the city, will you spare it? Will you sweep it away? And God keeps going back. He's like, if there's 50 people there, all right, there's your answer. I'll spare it. If there's 50 righteous people, I will spare it. But Abraham continues. Abraham doesn't stop there. He continues to persist with God. He's like, all right, okay. uh, What if there's only 45? He's like, please, if there's 45, spare it. God's like, yeah, okay. And he goes on and he goes on. He goes, 40. God's like, yep, I'll spare it for 40 righteous. What about 30? Yes, I'll spare it for 30 righteous. What about 20? Yes, I'll spare it for 20 righteous. And Abraham's events, he's like, okay, don't be angry with me. I'm going to ask you another question. He's like, if there's 10 people here, will you spare it for the 10 righteous people? And God's like, yes. God's like, I'll spare it. God answers his prayer and he's like, okay, Abraham, if there's 10 righteous people there, I will spare the city. See, Abraham is praying on behalf of others. It's something that we need to do. It's something that we need to follow the example of. We need to be regular prayers. We need to be people who pray for others. We need to be people who pray for people who are all over the place, all over the world, who are being treated unjustly, people who are dying. And Abraham wants to pray for people who are innocent and are suffering. He goes to him and Abraham doesn't fake it. Sometimes we can fake it. Sometimes we are like, oh, God, pray that the refugees are okay. I pray that the war isn't too bad. And we're just like, yeah, there we go, tick box done. But Abraham here, it's hard to see his emotions through the text. It's hard to see exactly what's going on. But he's not panicking here. He's not going, oh, I'm going to haggle with God a wee bit. I'm going to see how little righteous people can get. His heart is actually breaking. Abraham's looking down at this city and he's like, this is not good, but his heart is breaking because he's like, I don't want these people to suffer. He's like, I don't want this city to suffer. So his heart breaks for this city. He can see them as how God sees them. He sees them as lost. He sees them as needing saved. And I wonder, I genuinely wonder, and it's a challenge for myself as well, how many times when we're praying do we just do it as a tick box? How many times are you just like, yeah, God, save there? How many times when we're playing for places like Ukraine, where there's war, places like South Sudan, even East Belfast? How many times we're just like, yeah, God, you can, you can change Ravenhill? But our hearts aren't actually broken for it. Nothing's going to change unless we're pouring everything into it. And that is exactly what Abraham's doing here. His heart is breaking, and that is what we need to do for this place. This is a side note, but I believe that, that something amazing is going to happen in East Belfast and it'll lead to something amazing happening in Northern Ireland. Maybe it's going to be in our generation, maybe it's not. But if our hearts are not breaking, if we're not people who act on it, both in prayer and act on ourselves, nothing's going to happen. So we need to get there. We need to start letting our hearts break for these people. Um, and if we're going to take this, this hello neighbor thing or anything seriously, we need to do it. Um, 
We need to come to God with a heart like this. Um, and just like whenever I was trying to learn the illusion, persistence will pay off. Persistence is important. God wants us to continually come back in prayer. It's not just something that we're going to write off once. It's not just something that we come to God and we're just like, okay, can I pray for this? We need to be persistent in our prayer. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, do you know what? I don't know if God actually does answer prayer. I don't know if he does it. I've been praying for things and I can't see the answers of it. But do you know what? <laughs> it doesn't always come as obvious as we want. It doesn't always come as easy as we want and it doesn't always come as the answer that we want. But God says, I will answer your prayers. And I, there, there's a movie I love Evan Almighty. Has anyone ever watched Evan Almighty? Like two people. Okay, cool. That's fine. But in Evan Almighty, at the start of the movie, this wife, she's married to this guy, a news presenter called Evan, and she's like, oh, our, our family's falling apart. And she goes and she prays, and she's like, God, bring our family close together. And eventually the movie goes on, and we'll, we'll knock it into that rabbit hole, but Evan starts doing these crazy things, and she's just like, this isn't good. So she grabs her sons, and she's like, I'm going to leave. And again, questionable what, what you think of this or not, but Morgan Freeman's there, and he's playing God. So God's in person down there, and eventually he meets her in a diner. And she's talking to him, and she's just like, I don't know how things can go. I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, so they start talking about prayer, and he goes to her, do you know what? See, whenever it comes to prayer, what way do you think God answers it? He's like, if you pray for patience, do you think God's just going to be like, there you go, there's some patience? Or do you think he's going to give you an opportunity to be patient? If you come to God and you're like, oh God, I need more love in my life, is he just going to be like, boom, there's more love? Or is he going to give you an opportunity to love? And he says to her, if you come to God and, he ask, and you ask him, for my family to be closer? Do you think he's just going to make you all better? He's going to make everything together? Or do you think he's going to give you an opportunity for your family to be close together? God gives us lots of opportunities. And sometimes we don't want to see it. Sometimes we don't want to look at it. And we don't want to do the dirty work. Again, we're going to be praying about this area. Is God just going to make it amazing? Is God just going to send down an army of angels? Well, maybe you can't do that. But if we're true and we're persistent with our prayer, he's going to give us opportunity after opportunity to meet these people, to meet local people, and to tell them about Jesus. But we need to persist with it. We need to come in with our eyes open. I, I had a, a, a persistent prayer for a long time, a few years ago. And it was similar to actually what this girl said in the movie. I persisted with this prayer of being like, God, fix my family. There was, there was a big, big divide in our family. My granddad, he, he wasn't a great man. He, he, done, like, he, he just wasn't great. And my granny, he separated, he found another girl and went off and eventually married her. And that hurt my mum a lot. And for a long time, it was just like, we need to stay away. And for a long time, I was like, right, God, please fix our family. Please fix our family. But God didn't just turn around and he was like, here you go, your family's good as new. God done something weird. I, I, I started in uni doing a youth work degree and I had a placement in Cumber. The day before I was due to start that placement, it fell through. I was like, no, 
this isn't happening. I was like, right, <laughs> what are you doing? I have no placement. And the university phoned me, and they're like, we have a placement for you. It's in a place called Cullibacky. I'm like, Cullibacky? I haven't even heard of Cullibacky. I'm like, right, okay. I'm like, right, fine. I've no other options. I'm going to do, I'm going to go there. But it turned out that right beside Cullibacky was a place called Brucian. Do you know who lived in Brucian? My granda. <laughs> so I'm like, right, okay. And for six months, every single Sunday, I got to go from Cullibacky the Bruce Ian, and sit and have lunch with my granda. And we got this stage that after six months, he, he died, okay, he died. But after six months, we had a funeral service where all our family were at together, enjoying being with each other, cousins that we hadn't seen for years, auntie and my mum together having a laugh and continuing this relationship because of that. God doesn't just make things better. He gives you an opportunity to do it. He gives you an opportunity for them to come together and he gives you an opportunity to persist with it. We need to persist in our prayers. This, this talk, this sermon, whatever it is, is very short tonight, but that's because it's simple. That's because prayer is important. That's because prayer gets answered, but it's because God wants you to persist through your prayer. I'm going to give you 60 seconds, right? 60 seconds. Grab a phone, grab a notebook, whatever you have on you, and I want you to do something. I want you to think about it. If it doesn't come to you in the 60 seconds, that's okay, do it when you get home. But I want you to think of a prayer that you're going to persist with. Something that you're not just going to pray once. Something that every time you come to God, that you're going to persist with that prayer. It could be big, think big, or think small. But 60 seconds, just spend that time asking God, what do you want me to pray? okay if you don't have one you, you know that keep praying for God keep asking him and hopefully something will come to you before we close I just want to look back at I found it funny okay I don't know if it I don't think humor is intended but I kind of found it funny looking over this passage of being like Abraham constantly asking for the unrighteous to be spared for the righteous or yes for the sake of the righteous he's like will the righteous be punished because of them and I found it funny because who was he asking this to? He's saying this to, to Jesus here in human form. And I think it's, I found it funny because I imagine Jesus almost being there, almost laughing, being like, oh, do you know the plan I have? He's like, not for the sake of 10, but for the sake of one, these, righteous, these unrighteous are going to be spared. The Bible says in, in 1 Peter, there's a verse that says, for Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous, so that he might bring you to God. That offer is there as well. That offer is there. He is the one righteous one. He is the one who was put to death so that all the unrighteous could be spared. And I find that humorous because I'm like, Abraham, you don't know who you're talking to here because he's going to come and he's going to make sure all these guys get spared.
Uh, but thank you for being with me tonight. Um, please pray. It is important, and we often take it for, for granted. We often overlook it. We're just like, okay, prayer. Nah. Prayer is the most you can do for someone. Prayer is the most you can do someone. And speaking of that, can I pray now? Father, we're grateful that you want a relationship with us. God, we're not worthy. God, we fall short. But you want us to come to you with, your prob- with our problems, our worries, our constant things that we mess up, God. You say, bring them to me. God, I pray that we can be more persistent with you. We can continue to follow Abraham's example and persist in our prayer. I pray that our heart will break as we do that, God. It's not just a tick box activity, God, but actually we can come to you with hearts breaking and actual love in our prayers. God, we thank you for tonight and we hand the rest of the night over to you in your name. Amen.